0: In my family, Passover is the most important holiday in what I assure you is a robust yearly cycle of holidays. Passover is more than a meal. It's a multi-sensory group experience. We drink wine and sing and snack. There are herbs dipped in salt water to symbolize the tears of our people, naturally, and thick slabs of horseradish that make your sinuses burn to represent the bitterness of slavery in Egypt that is central to the Jewish mythos. Passover is about remembering the escape from slavery in Egypt. The holiday has been celebrated for as long as there has been a group of people who identify as Jews. And then there's matzah. I'm Leah Rechtman.
1: And I'm Andrew Middleton.
0: And this is Measure for Measure, a little show about sizing up our world. In this episode, we'll explore a surprising yet critical question from the Jewish tradition. You need to eat matzah on Passover, but how much matzah? How do you measure the amount of matzah you need? Andrew, do you know what matzah is?
1: I have had the... um can I call it a pleasure? I've I have experienced matzah before.
0: Okay, okay. It seems like you don't like it, and I appreciate and very much respect that. Do you want to say what it is? I'm not really
1: sure if it's a cracker or if it's a building material. It just it just tastes like if someone mixed water and flour together and then just smeared it across a pan to get baked.
0: Okay, I think that's totally fair. Yeah, matzah is like a. Flat, cracker-like bread. Most non-Jews really like it, so I feel like the fact that you don't like it makes you an honorary Jew, and I'm surprised by that because you're so, so not Jewish. But here we are. (laughs) The story goes that the precursor group to the Jewish people, too much history and religious studies there to explain further. Anyway, this precursor group was enslaved in Egypt, and they were in such a rush to bake their bread and leave that the bread didn't have time to rise hence matzah. Here's a professional matzah baker named Rabbi Mayer Kirshner from Manhattan Strikes Matzah Factory. For those who know, it's the pink boxes. Anyway, he's explaining the Passover tradition and the role of matzah.
1: The eight-day holiday of Passover commemorates the Jewish people leaving slavery from Egypt. Right. And
0: they didn't have enough time for the dough to rise. They went into the desert with the dough on their shoulder. The sun baked it and, boop. We had our unleavened bread, matzah. So Jewish religious practice relies on a historical tradition of Jewish law. I I need to get some basics out of the way if we're going to talk about measurements of matzah. Jewish laws are analyzed and refined and discussed over the last 2,000 years or so. And according to that Jewish interpretive tradition, the amount of matzah you would have to eat to fulfill the obligation of eating matzah is, wait for it, the amount of food that counts as having eaten food.
1: Okay, that doesn't actually sound very helpful.
0: Do you ever lick the spoon to try batter just before you put a cake in the oven?
1: Oh yeah, obviously.
0: Or sneak a fingerful of frosting from the base of a cake.
1: So is that does that count as eating?
0: Have you ever had a girlfriend who maybe takes one eighth of your smoothie when you ordered a smoothie just for yourself?
1: That does sound familiar. Did she eat or did she not eat? Did
0: she eat or did she not eat? This is what the rabbis want to know. I'm so glad that this is covered. Right. So much like that girlfriend of yours, whomever she was, that amount of smoothie doesn't necessarily count as eating in a rabbinic context. Here's Rabbi Dr. Jonathan Lieberman explaining the question that we're asking about how much matzah counts as having eaten matzah. One thing that I need to add here, which you might not get immediately from the text, Jewish law, the system that we're talking about that's asking these questions, it's known as halakha. Uh, you don't need to know that after the next 30 seconds.
1: Most of you, I think, will be familiar with the concept of the volume of food which is considered to be eating. And you will, you will know that this volume, which the halakha talks about, is called a kazayit. And the word kazayit is from the word zayit, which you I'm sure know means an olive, and the prefix ka, kaf, which means like. So what the amount of food is is like a Olive size. Like an olive size of food.
0: So according to Jewish law, as the rabbi in the clip was saying, the correct amount of matzah to eat is the volume of an olive, obviously.
1: It's just the volume of of an olive.
0: So going back to the girlfriend and the smoothie.
1: If as long as she had a sip that was smaller than the volume of an olive, it didn't count.
0: The amount of matzah to eat to be considered as having eaten matzah is the volume of an olive. An olive today, I looked this up obviously, is commonly measured at about 1 to 2.5 centimeters. I would explain to you what amount that is, but I would explain it as an olive amount because you would understand what that means. If I were to explain what 2 centimeters was to you, I would say, you know, around the size of an olive, a metric that you would obviously understand, you and I, as olive eaters. Except the matzah passed around at Passover to fulfill this holiday tradition isn't olive-sized. I can tell you this from personal experience. I once went to one of the central matzah-making factories in Israel. I was living right outside of Jerusalem at the time. And I can say from firsthand experience that the standard matzah they make for one person to fulfill this Jewish practice of eating the amount of matzah the size of an olive is larger than a dinner plate, which... I also calculated this, is probably the size of 40 calamata olives. If the size of the matzah is supposed to be the size of an olive, the real question when we're asking how much matzah do you need to eat on Passover is how big is an olive? Are we talking volume? Are we talking mass? How much space does an olive take up on the plate? Ancient Jewish law tries to solve the problem of how to measure an olive.
1: How do you measure how much an olive is.
0: So there's an easy answer. Eat the amount that looks to be about the amount of an olive. That is what the ancient rabbis say. They say the measure of an olive is according to your own assessment of the size of an olive.
1: So that's sort of the use your best judgment.
0: Right, which totally made sense if you were living in the ancient Middle East where olives were readily available. A few exiles and exoduses later, most Jews don't know what an olive is. The ancient scholars were in ancient Palestine or Babylonia, very not important side note, but Andrew and I had a big argument about whether it was Babylonia or Babylon, and FYI, Babylonia is the region and Babylon is the city, so both are right, and they were living in Babylonia. Anyway, the ancient scholars living perhaps in Babylonia did know what an olive was and how big it was, and therefore could measure the amount of matzah you needed to eat based on the size of an olive. But many of the rabbis interpreting ancient Jewish laws aren't in the Middle East. Most of them aren't. They're in medieval Europe. And in medieval Europe, trade is limited. It is not a fun time. And olives are certainly not accessible to lower classes. So what is an olive? An olive is a figment of the Jewish imagination. An olive is a fantasy. There is no medieval European Jew who had actually seen an olive.
1: I suppose that makes sense, because I can't imagine the olive production was very high in medieval Poland.
0: Right. Not a lot of olives in the time period we're talking about, so they are sort of guessing at what an olive is. Luckily, the olive was a pretty common measure throughout ancient Jewish law. That means that it was used as a comparison to other standard items as well. The ancient law says that an olive is smaller than a dried fig. I'm seeing some consternation. Do you want to add something? No,
1: I'm 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 curious. So, what kind of what kind of dried fig are we talking? Like like uh, mummified dry? Are we talking like a little little juicy, chewy dry, or like fig Newton dry?
0: Right. So you're bringing up two good questions that both make this comparison extremely not helpful in figuring out how much matzah to eat per how big an olive is in ancient Palestine. So there are two issues. One is that medieval Jews didn't know what a fig looked like. They didn't know what an olive looked like for the same reason. They were poor, and they did not have access to trade. The other issue is that it's not clear how dried, exactly like you said. Is this desiccated dried? Is it lightly sun-toasted? We don't know. So we don't know how big a dried fig is. However, an 11th century Spanish rabbi... Okay, this is going to be a bit of a long slog, so just bear with me. All right, what do you got? Okay, An 11th century Spanish rabbi wrote that a dried fig is one-third the size of an egg. An egg! Finally, a measure that medieval Jews understood, that we understand. They raised chickens, and they knew where eggs come from.
1: Cool, okay, so if we can relate eggs to figs and figs to olives and olives to matzah, we just have to figure out what the standard egg is. Is that like like a chicken egg? Is that like a grade A extra large, comes in a dozen carton?
0: Right. So I guess I was assuming chicken egg. And for whatever reason, the scholarship I was reading was also assuming chicken egg. So I think that we can all say that this is a chicken egg. I don't know why we're all making that assumption, but that's what I read.
1: Probably not an ostrich egg.
0: Not an ostrich egg. So we're talking about chicken eggs here. Even if they didn't know how big a dried fig was, if one assumed that a dried fig in ancient Palestine and a dried fig in 11th century Spain were the same size, you could say that an olive, which was equivalent to the size of a dried fig, was less than a third the size of an egg. Bingo. So we have a standard measurement here. This logic is using the transitive property of a dried fig to confirm at least the size of the measurement of an olive, tying an olive to a recognizable measure, an egg.
1: So if A is like B and B is like C, then A has got to be like C.
0: Exactly. Okay, there are maybe one or two more here. Another text says that 15 eggs were much more than 60 olives. This means that one olive was much less than a quarter of one egg. Also, one dried fig is several times greater than an olive. So if a dried fig is the size of one third of an egg, that means that an olive could be at least as small as one ninth the size of an egg. And then we get back to your question, Andrew. Chickens lay eggs at different sizes. How big is a chicken egg?
1: A young hen is going to produce smaller eggs than an older, more mature hen. So what's the standard egg?
0: So the medieval rabbis had a little bit more to say. They worked to calculate the size of matzah required to be eaten on Passover by the size of an olive via the size of a dried fig via the size of an egg. Like we were just saying.
1: Okay, sounds like a pretty solved problem then.
0: Yes. However, there's still some confusion.
1: Uh-oh. Like what?
0: In order to be as conservative as possible, in order to make sure that you're fulfilling this religious obligation, you eat the largest amount that could be seen as necessary.
1: Okay, so we don't want to limp right over the finish line. We want to we want to make sure that we're getting, you know, uh uh, you know, let's let's be safe. Let's get like two olives.
0: Right, exactly. If if a matza, if eating matzah on Passover requires eating at least the amount of an olive, why not eat two olives of matzah? Just to be safe. Just to be safe. And why not eat maybe 40 kalamata olives size of matza? Just to be safe.
1: Okay, that sounds a little overkill.
0: So the the religious tradition is to eat a little more than whatever the biggest calculation led you to. And if we think of the olive as one-ninth the size of an egg, maybe eat a little more matza than that so you're at least eating that amount.
1: Okay, so we've got... Olives to figs to eggs, and each one of those measurements has, you know, they've got some error bars, and so we're going to try to eat at least as much as the high end of the estimate of what an olive could be.
0: Right. And this begins the great inflation of the required amount of matzah and the definition of the size of an olive from an actual olive to the dinner plate I was describing before. Here's another question that is critical in this measurement. Are you ready? So prepared. So we know the size of a contemporary olive or a dried fig or an egg. Now we're no longer in medieval Europe. I've transported us to here and now, Berkeley, California, 2022. Is an olive today the same size as a biblical olive?
1: Ooh, that's a really interesting question. I, I would guess that over time, farmers have figured out how to grow crops a little bit bigger. Uh, chickens grow faster and they lay bigger eggs. So are olives a lot work? Did olives used to be a lot smaller than they are today?
0: Yeah. So there are two ways to answer this question. First, there's the science, which naturally you went to, and I respect and appreciate that. So we know how big olives were in biblical times. We actually don't have to guess. Like, of course, you're right. We have better genetic modification. We have better agricultural mechanisms today than we did in ancient times but also we literally have olive seeds and we have fig seeds in fact archaeologists have dug up seeds from that time olives figs other ancient fruits and grains which they found in an in the ancient stronghold of mount masada in the negev desert and here's a clip of them talking about growing a fig tree out of an ancient fig seed which i think is extremely cool Uh, after 2,000 years israeli archaeologists excavated Matsada. They found right by the ruins of the food storage sites, a trove of seeds. They were kept in storage for the next 40 years until I came and asked to have a few of them. So if we wanted to use a biblical olive from the ancient Middle East as our reference point today, we could. We know exactly how big they are. Based on the size of those biblical seeds, we know that olives and figs and, by the way, people have gotten bigger over time. Olives have grown with efficient cultivation, not to mention genetic modification and selective growth. And, and probably better water, but I, I can't say that for sure. But, Andrew, in answering this question, you took the tack that I think many of us would take... But this isn't a scientific measurement alone. It's a religious measurement. So the debate over the size of an olive is a religious one, too. Some Jews say that with every generation, we are moving further away from Eden. They believe that in ancient Palestine, the people and the olives were closer to Eden and closer to a connection to God. So they were bigger than they are today. There's actually a Jewish tradition that sees ancient people as halfway between people and giants. Like ancient people were massive. Did you know that?
1: I had not heard that.
0: This tradition imagines that the people were giant and the ancient olives were similarly giant as compared to today. And that means much more matzah.
1: So the contemporary tradition would be to eat as much matzah as an ancient giant olive.
0: Something like that, I think. Uh, yeah, so many Jews have stuck with the tradition of the Middle Ages. They eat more matzah than you think you would need to fulfill the bare minimum of the tradition, and that way you know that you're eating at least as much as your ancestors. And that's actually exactly the point of the Olives measurement system, because we've been talking about it, and and I think it's really fun to dig up these rabbinic arguments in terms of a system of measurement, figuring out the the biometrics and the history and even the science and the transitive properties like we've been talking about of matza to olive to fig to egg, eventually to some kind of religious tradition. But the fact is that the whole Passover tradition, eating the matzah and the horseradish and gathering with family to remember the enslavement and liberation of the Jews is about creating consistency and connection with Jewish people over centuries and millennia. Ancient Jews cited the olive as an easy and understandable measurement, but the olive became, over time, confusing and unclear to their Jewish successors living in Europe. Ancient people had thought they were sending an obvious signal into the future. How much do you need to eat, they said. An amount the size of an olive, about the size of an olive, but the metaphor was lost. And the measure of an olive forgotten as the context and culture of the Jewish people changed. And in this way, the olive, as a system of measurement, is just like any other system of measurement. How tall are you, or how much do you weigh? Well, your height is in centimeters or inches, your weight is in kilograms or pounds. But how much is a pound? How high is an inch? This much? About that much, you know? like this or like that. We need shared symbols on which to produce metaphors and explain ourselves in language to describe objects without actually sharing that object. How many olives tall are you? How many olives do you weigh? And for how long will we know what that means? The story of the measurement of an olive is the story about trying to set our experiences onto an ancient template so that even while we are separated by thousands of years, we can celebrate together, we can understand each other. Measure for Measure is a limited series from Ministry of Ideas. Measure for Measure is executive produced by me, Leah Reckman, created by Andrew Middleton, and sound engineered by Greg Friedel. Our music is by Siraj Sintu and Mackenzie Kugel. Thanks to Zachary Davis for guiding us in making this bite-sized show. We'd also like to thank Rabbi Natan Slifkin this episode for his research on the Jewish legal history of the measurement of an olive, published on RationalistJudaism.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can learn more on our website, ministryofideas.org slash measure, or find us on Twitter at measure4m and Instagram at measure4measurepod. That's with the number four. You can also email us at measure at gmail.com. That's measure for measure with the number four. Thanks for listening. See you next time.